Welcome to the official podcast of the Hoffeld Group. Your host is the CEO and Chief Sales Trainer of the Hoffeld Group, David Hoffeld. Welcome to the Science of Selling, the place where you get actionable sales insights that are backed by real science. I'm your host, David Huffeld, and today is the day. It's Ask Me Anything. We do these episodes about twice a year, and usually there's a lot of hoopla before we air them. But today, no hoopla. What I mean by that is Usually we'll say, if you have some questions, send them in and we give you, our listeners, a few weeks notice. But we've gotten so many questions recently and we're past due for one of these. I want to do another one towards the end of the year. But we've gotten so many questions just to come in organically that we didn't need to ask. So we are going to go through eight questions today, rapid fire Now, I have not reviewed these questions, so you're going to get my unfiltered answers to them, but we are going to go through them fast. So there is eight. We're going to do rapid fire. And if you have a question that you would like to get answered, send it in info at huffeldgroup.com, info at huffeldgroup.com. Let's dive in. The first question is... I've heard a sales trainer talk about the science that our brains are made up of three parts. How can I apply this science to improve my sales? Okay, we're diving into the deep end of the pool. Actually, this isn't that deep. Uh, We're only a couple feet in here because this is uh, a lot of silliness. This is called the triune brain theory. And this was really popular. In fact, it was first espoused back in 1960. And I believe the gentleman's name was Paul McLean, who originated this. And here's what it says, because I run into this a lot and I want to talk about it. But it says that our brains evolved at different times and in different ways. Uh, There's the reptilian brain, they'll often say the limbic, the neocortex. Uh, The reason I'm so familiar with this is not because I read it in academic journals. I don't. When I read about neuroscience, this doesn't come up. I only hear about this when I hear sales trainers talk about the brain. And that's what this questioner asked about. They heard a sales trainer say it. They don't really share who. It really doesn't matter. Here's the problem with this. No one talks about it in the world of neuroscience anymore. So this was a popular idea when it first was originated in the 1960s. But neuroscientists aren't latching on to this anymore. It's very much an inaccurate way of looking at a brain. It oversimplifies things, and it takes some giant leaps of faith as well. And so when you do hear someone talk about the three parts of our brain, and this, when sales trainers talk about the brain, sometimes they go here a lot of times. And it just tells you it's from the 1960s. Now, I wasn't born in the 1960s. So, I mean, this is a while ago. And what has changed about how we understand our brain since the 1960s? Everything. We radically have different ideas about the brain today than then because of the breakthroughs in technology that allowed us to really get a much more accurate and uh, complex understanding of how our brains work. Now, there is still a lot of questions left to be answered, like what is consciousness, for example? And there's a lot of other things we're still looking into about the brain. But the triune brain theory is really outdated. I'm glad this came up. I don't think I've talked about this on this podcast before. 
And this is important because a lot of silly ideas come from this. For example, I was a number of years ago, I remember uh, a salesperson telling me that they heard a sales trainer say that because there's three parts of your brain, you can only be in one part of your, this of these three parts at a time, which is nonsense, first of all. But uh, they say, so, for example, this trainer said that when an objection is given, you need to wait, I remember this, six seconds before you respond to let them get from one part of the brain to the other. I am not making this up. I mean, some of you are listening going, this is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Of course, that's nonsense. But when we look at really old information about the brain, A, and we don't really read the academic research, you read an article about it. This is what these people are doing. Let's get real. They're not reading any serious journals on neuroscience. You can come up with a lot of crazy stuff. So my answer to the questioner, how can you apply the science to improve your sales? You can't. It's not accurate. It's, it's not a good way to look at the brain. Oh boy. Okay. Now I'm all riled up. I'm going to calm down. Let's go to question number two. What is the best way to improve my sales? Someone asked. That's a great question. A couple things. Number one, you want to focus on buying, not selling. Focus on buying, not selling. The more you understand how our brains form a buying decision, the more effective you will be in selling because you want to align how you sell with it. How do you do that? A podcast like this, books I can recommend too, The Science of Selling and Sell More with Science, and there's some other good ones. Not a lot, but there's a few other good ones. But really trying to get a basic foundation of that, and that's going to help you innovate and customize your sales process to really help people. So again, the key mistake people make is they focus just on selling and try to make buyers conform to it. We want to understand how people buy and sell the way they buy. Question number three. I'm a sales manager, this individual writes, and find that my staff is not motivated to sell. How can I use science to get them motivated? That's a great question. We have a white paper on our website. You can download at no cost called The Carrot and the Stick Must Go. It's a white paper I wrote. It might be now eight or nine years ago, but it's still relevant, has a lot of great science in it. Here's how I want you to think about motivation. There's really two types of motivation. There's intrinsic and extrinsic. Now, what's the difference? Extrinsic is kind of what this questioner is asking about. How can I motivate someone else? I don't want you to do that because usually that involves a carrot or it involves the stick. Both are problematic. Real quickly, and I go into a lot of depth on why this is the case in the white paper. Now, the carrot is a great reward, but when you're trying to motivate behavior, the carrot only works until it is consumed, then it doesn't. And if you're constantly feel that you have to motivate people with a carrot or else they won't work hard, which is the underlying assumption in this question, when any sales manager says, I need to motivate my people, he or she is really saying, my people aren't motivated and I need to do something about it. I would agree you need to do something about it, but motivate them isn't that. So you don't want to use the carrot and you certainly don't want to use the stick. That's always detrimental. That creates usually a short-term boost of action, but long-term, and I'm talking not like years, but even sometimes months, it will destroy your sales team and undermine your efforts in every other area. So you want to think differently about motivation. Here's what you want to think about, intrinsic motivation. You want to hire people that are intrinsically motivated 
to perform the task you're giving them. In other words, they are motivated to be salespeople. The top salespeople are always intrinsically motivated. In other words, they don't need extrinsic motivation, motivation from an outside source. They are motivated. And if you say, well, David, and I'm assuming this questioner is saying that, my staff is not motivated. What can I do about it? There is something you can do. You need to find a staff that is. Why are you hiring people and employing them to do something they don't want to do? I want you to think about that. So that's on you. If you hire the right people who are intrinsically motivated, and we have some great resources on this, then all you have to do as a manager is get out of the way, remove obstacles, help them achieve their goals. You don't need to motivate them with the carrot or threaten them with the stick for motivation because they're intrinsically motivated. So what I would say to this individual who says his team is not motivated is I would say, well, that's your fault because you have clearly chosen people for your team who do not want to do the work you're, they've been assigned to do. So I would seriously look at finding people who are more aligned with the work that a salesperson does. So let them go because most likely if they're not motivated to sell, which is okay, selling isn't for everyone. For some of us, sales is just a hobby, not a profession. And that's okay, but you wanna have people on your team who are motivated to sell. And for more information on that, check out that white paper on our website, the carrot and the stick must go. The next one, how tall is David Hoffeld? Is that, is that real? Okay, I'm being told that's real. Someone asked how tall I am. Uh, I'm 6'1". I don't know why uh, that came up. Um, that's weird. That's a weird question. I don't know what to do with that. Okay, I'm 6'1". Uh, number five, since COVID, I've been working from home and struggling with turning off my work. What do you do to relax and recharge? Oh, that's an interesting question. That's a great question, actually. So let's talk about that. And I think a lot of us struggle with this, right? Because the more you're working from home, you know, before when you went to an office, I mean, you could still be contacted via email and your phone, but it was different. Now, when you're working from home, many people say this is a challenging thing. So I think you want to have other activities you do outside of work that you focused on. What are you focusing on learning? What other activities can you participate in? So they ask what I do. Well, I have uh, uh, three children, so that occupies uh, a lot of my time. And then I also have other hobbies. There's a couple other topics that I'm really passionate about learning and researching that have nothing to do with selling uh, that I find very beneficial. So I focus on that. And uh, most recently, I've started learning jujitsu, which has been uh, really interesting and I'm slowly becoming obsessed with. So a couple things that take me outside of the world of selling that allow me to, to do that. Number six, is there an industry where the science isn't applicable? For instance, does it work equally in both business to business and business to consumer sales or just one? This questioner asked, and this is a really interesting question. So does this science work across the board or, or is it just when you're selling B2B or B2C? And the answer is it works across the board. Now the application might be different depending on the type of sale you're, you're in, certainly. But those foundational principles that we talk about work regardless of the industry. And let me explain why. And this often surprises people. 
because most sales trainers are very industry specific. I work with tech companies. I work with home improvement companies. I work with, you know, whatever. And the reason why is they're doing best practices. I'm not. Now, I have experience with a lot of different industries. What we're looking at is the science of how our brains make choices. So it's not tied to some best practice that may be relevant today, but not as market conditions change. It's not tied to an industry that could also shift, right? That becomes problematic over time as as things change. Those best practices aren't any more best practices. They're just practices that may not be as effective. And so what we look at is the science of how our brains work. And regardless of whether you're selling B2B or B2C, your brain works the same as everyone else's. So number seven question, I love your podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, I should have mentioned this earlier to all those who have been recommending the podcast. We've seen a huge increase in growth recently, which is a lot of fun to see. Okay, back to the question. I love your podcast and was wondering of your training options, which would you recommend for someone like me who has been in sales for two years? Great question. So if you go to huffelgroup.com, we have a lot of different options. So if you're looking just for you as an individual, and it sounds like this person is two years in the sales, I would point you to our virtual sales training platform. It has 20 different courses. It has 145 different videos, 165 quizzes and tests that change every time you take them, and nearly 80 simulations that allow you to practice what you're learning and get some real-time feedback. So I'd highly recommend that. The final question, here we go. I want to become a closer, this person writes. I bet you do. What's the best way to do this? I'm not sure what they mean by the word closer. So I could go a lot of way with this question. Traditionally, this means what do I do at the end of the sale? Let me broaden your horizon and say to be a really good closer, you want to think about closing holistically. And I mean by that throughout the sale. So you want to think of incremental commitments that guide people on a natural progression of consent and into that final decision to purchase. So Uh, look at in the science of selling and sell more science both my books we talk about those six whys so you want to check those out because that'll set up the end of the sale now to answer the question really directly though if you want to become great at answering objections which i'm assuming is what this person is referring to you want to become amazing at reframing that is the name of the game so if you want to become a master of dealing with objections You want to be able to reframe because reframing is helping people see things from a new, more mutually beneficial perspective. So they're coming to you and saying your price is too high and you're going to reframe that. So I would encourage you check out Somewhere with Science. I believe it's chapter five, I think. In that book, we have a whole chapter on reframing and go through a reframing model. But that's what you want to do. When people are really effective at answering objections, they're really effective at reframing. And there is a science to reframing that once you learn some of it, it will really equip you to answer objections at a high, high level. We did it. We went through all eight questions, pretty rapid fire. I think I on a little bit of a rant on that first one. But besides that, we kept it moving. So as always, I would encourage you, think through at least one thing that you heard today that you can begin to apply to your own sales context, because when you do, It will help you skill up, and especially right now in our challenging market conditions, the best salespeople are going to matter now more than ever. So this is not a time to pull back. 
because that's kind of the normal tendency right now. Everyone's just relaxing a little bit. We want to push even harder because that's going to make the difference. So with that, what are you waiting for? Apply this information and then get out there and sell something. I'll see you next time. <laughs>